Well, welcome listeners. You're listening to KYRS Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1, 92.3 FM. And this is Art Hour. I'm one of the co-hosts, Mike Malsom. And I'm the other co-host, Eric Woodard. And today we have our special guest, uh, Ronaldo Gilzambrano, uh, artist extraordinaire here in Spokane. And uh, we're going to learn a lot about... Um, Ronaldo and his influence uh, in the art scene here in community in Spokane. So welcome, oh, Ronaldo. Thank you. Thank you so yeah. much, Mike and Eric. For yeah. The invitation. Thanks for coming. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. I think we'll just start off, uh, Ronaldo. Just tell us a little bit about your background and, you know, where you're from and how you ended up in Spokane, Washington. Yeah. So um, I mean, it's been quite the journey. Um, I started drawing when I was a little kid. Um, just copying comics and comic strips um, and children books that my mom used to give me. I grew up in uh, in Caracas, Venezuela, and I was I grew up in this uh, uh, community called Puente Hierro. Uh, then, when I was 16 years old, I graduated from high school, and I moved to Costa Rica uh, to the United World College, where I got uh, a scholarship, and that's the first time that I started like thinking a little bit about how I can use illustrations or my drawing skills as a way to communicate my ideas beyond the limitations of the language because in that moment I didn't speak English and it was an international school with so many different kids from 75 different countries. Mm. And then after that, I finished the, my two years there. I moved to uh, Idaho all the way to <laughs> Colwell. Uh, you now, how, you, did, how did that pop up? That's, yeah, right. quite a, that's a quite a change. Yeah, no, definitely. It was <laughs> in the rainforest, and I ended up in this, you know, desertic place. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, I got recruited pretty much. Uh, one, um, the person from admissions from the College of Idaho flew all the way to Costa Rica. Um, he was just offering opportunities uh, for students there. And, I was a, what is called a Shelby Davis scholar, so I got a full right to go to study arts in the College of Idaho, and that wow. was pretty much the main reason why I moved all the way there to just go and pursue arts in uh, my BFA in that area. Mm -hmm. Then after I finished that, I went back to Venezuela for a year to pursue my, uh, my desire of becoming a, a children's book illustrator. Mm. And then I applied uh, for my master's. Um, I wanted to go really far away from Idaho, but <laughs> I ended up in Moscow, Idaho, <laughs> doing my master's. And after that, I, um, I started dating my, my, current, uh, my, my wife. Mm -hmm. um, and I got also a job interview um, in Eastern Washington University, where I'm now teaching. And now I call Spokane my home. Oh, pretty wow. Much. That's, That's pretty much what happened, yeah. Now, what were your first impressions when you got to Idaho? Well, this is empty. Like, yeah, there was not a lot of people around. Um, also, another thing, too, like I didn't see that many uh, brown people either. Mm -hmm. But, but it, was, uh, it was culturally shocking, but at the same time, it was a really good opportunity uh, for me and for the international students who came here to, um, to somehow have that cultural exchange and educate others about our culture and at the same time to also immerse ourselves in the culture and learn from them um, and pretty much just growth um, all, uh, together, you know, simultaneously. So you said you graduated from high school at age 16. Yes. I mean, did you graduate early or, or was, that, was that the school uh, term in Venezuela? Yeah, well, usually the, the media is between 17 and 16 years old. So, yeah, so oh. I, was, I was pretty much 
I mean, I didn't, I didn't go to bands, you know. I was that, that smart or like a really <laughs> good student. No, I just yeah. happened to finish at 16 and then I moved by myself to Costa Rica and I started school again. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so um, the kind of art you did that caught the eye mm -hmm. of the recruiter yeah. to bring you to Idaho, what, what kind of art were you doing back then? I was doing a lot of drawing, uh, mostly uh, graphic uh, uh, graphite drawings uh, in large scale, um, pretty much illustrations. I did a little bit of three-dimensional pieces, like kind of like a sculpture. Um, um, I was mostly, most of the time, I mean, and it's something that I still do, there is a lot of narrative in my work. So in that moment, I was doing a series of works um, that was more uh, based on the reality of the agriculture uh, system in Costa Rica that use a lot of genetic modified um, processes. So I wanted to do something uh, based on the human impact on the natural processes of reproduction, not only for the fruits and the vegetable, but also in the human reproduction. Um, yeah, so conceptually it was a little bit strong and I was using drawing mostly to represent that, to illustrate it. Um, yeah, no, I felt that that was something that caught the eye of this person, Brian Baba. Um, yeah, and he brought me to to Idaho to do that. You said that there's a strong element of narrative in your works. Yes. Is it generally that kind of nonfiction thing where something happens in the world and you want to make a comment on it or is it sometimes do you work into fiction and tell fictional stories or does it tend to be kind of grounded in, in issues maybe? Yeah, uh, that's a really good question. Um, I will say that in Latin America we have uh, these things that we call, I mean, no wonder why magical realism was born in in Latin America, uh, in Hispanic America, yeah, in Latin America. The thing is like, we love telling stories. Um, we make, uh, in order to make those stories memorable, those events memorable that happens in reality, we tend to hyperbole, uh, to use the hyperboles a little bit to somehow make those even more relevant and make things appear magical and extraordinary in a really uh, common um, unrealistic uh, context. So I feel that I was heavily influenced by that and that's something that people just do uh, when they're sharing stories between friends. So I grew up in a context where my grandpa and my uncles are really great like story talents and before <laughs> having lunch or having dinners, family gatherings, there is always this element of telling things that they did when they were kids and I was always fascinated about it because it's just like these people that I know that I seen they're so normal they somehow became these extraordinary beings. <laughs> and I was always getting all these visual images in my head. And that's something that I feel that I use in my, in my work. I take the stimuli from the reality that is surrounding me and somehow translate it into these um, illustrations uh, or visual narrative that has this magical feeling, but they're somehow transmitting something that is very real. Uh, do you tell stories in other mediums too? It sounds like you're a visual artist. Do you do any music or writing or anything else like that? I do a little bit of writing. I, I, I used to do it more uh, before, but, but not, not that much. Uh, that's something that I would like to expand. I feel that um, I would like to somehow connect that with my visual narratives and make it a little bit more uh, powerful in that way. Music, I wish I never had the the I, I never put the time and that is uh, but I there is there was always a desire but uh, but I never put the time on it, but that's something that I really enjoy. Like for example, last night we were mm -hmm. you know dancing and stuff yeah. and, and, and that's something that I love. Uh, but yeah, no, I still appreciate it. I get a lot of of my inspiration not only from 
uh, stories that I read and the stories that I hear from people, but also from also stories that I see that I hear from music too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's a really good question in terms of the uh, you know the literary aspect. So I think it was last first Friday or it was a while. Uh, in, you know, fairly recent, where you did a collaboration with Luke Baumgarten yes. down mm -hmm. at the Saranac uh, mm -hmm. Gallery, yes. and you had a, a print there, uh, and then Luke kind of wrote a, a story, a yes. little narrative mm -hmm. about that. And I thought that the combination of those two really made both both of them come out greater than if they would have done one uh, separately. Definitely. So, uh, do you think you guys are going to do some more collaborations like that in the yeah, future? Yeah, we have been, uh, I feel that there was an experience that, I mean, uh, that both of us felt that was enriching. Uh, I feel uh, the, the whole thing started because we did this show called Text and Response. So I show a piece uh, that was carving to Luke and we have this connection as just instantly because it was great to see that we have this common ground of magical realism even when we have we we have different cultural backgrounds so he grew up in Spokane in a small town in Spokane and he was having similar experience that I was having all the way in South America in Venezuela mm -hmm. so we found those uh, common grounds uh, he wrote a story based on one of my pieces the piece called Encuentro and then I took one of his, uh, his, his stories and I also responded um, oh. with an image and I did a print. Um, we got together not long ago and we're thinking that in the future we're going to keep exploring that and probably um, include other writers to local writers. Oh, that'd, mm -hmm. be, that'd be awesome. Yeah. When did you <laughs> find out that there was some magic in making prints versus your starting with more illustrative drawing and things like that you know it's interesting um i was doing a lot of drawing and it wasn't until i went to grad school in moscow in 2014 that one of my friends um uh, classmates introduced me to uh, to printmaking i felt that printmaking somehow was just uh, answering some of the questions that i had i was trying to develop these um high contrast that graphic novels has, for example, with charcoal and ink. And I feel that relief printing is uh, that's something that does automatically. So I feel that the process was very engaging because it was just like uh, uh, giving me that extra that I was seeking to do with my drawings. Um, at the same time, like it was just, I just fall in love with the process. Um, printmaking, uh, just uh, by nature, it, it produced multiples. So I feel that it's a tool that reinforced the idea of a storytelling because it creates multiples of one matrix. So it allows the narrative to be shared with more people. And the fact that I use visual narrative or stories that are uh, wordless, they don't have any word or writing, they can speak beyond the limitations of the language. So I feel that I was using pre-making as a storytelling tool somehow. Mm -hmm. that, that then after I fall in love with the process, I was later on combining with more community developing approaches. So pre-making has been an answer for like storytelling, but it's in type for community building and education. Exactly. The there's lots of different kinds of ways to make prints, right? And, yes. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm not familiar with all of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think Eric and I went to the one in Coeur d'Alene where you did the steamroller thing, you know, yeah. with mm -hmm. that, which was really cool. But uh, in your article, you also talked about other types of ways to make print. Could you just talk a little bit on on the different ways and why? The pro where the process is different in each one, but 
you get the unique effects from them? Sure, yeah. So in essence, printmaking is just creating a matrix. So you can carve the matrix, you can make indentations of the matrix, you can use acid, or you can create stencils, you know? Uh, all the different thing is just seeking to, to make a matrix that you can reproduce. So you have basically relief and intaglio processes. So relief, you carve away and you leave a, a surface that you're gonna ink. That's the, for example, wood cuts, lino cuts, and stone cuts, and stuff like that. And then you have the intaglio processes, which is more into engraving and also, uh, sorry, like, um, how's it called, dry point um, and etchings, where you make uh, indentations into a place of metal or zinc, and then you put the uh, piece of metal into um, acid that somehow bites the plate and makes the, the indentations even deeper. And then you're gonna push the ink inside those lines. Uh -huh. So that's the main difference between the intaglio uh -huh. and the relief process. And then you have also a litho, a lithography, where it's using the, the big stones to draw and make this process of uh, making the, the ink, uh, the, 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 the oil crayon that you draw, absorb the ink and then repel the ink around the other areas. Um, then you have seal screening or screen printing, which is basically creating a stencil. So, yeah, so all these different processes, you know, and you can do also stamping. And those are, those are just like the, the common things or like the general ideas, but then like contemporary artists have been using a lot of different other technological uh, devices in order mm -hmm. to keep um, exploring beyond the, um, what the matrix can, can be, you know? Which of those are your favorite to work with? Well, you know, it's just like, that's the thing, like every single process is so engaging and it takes so much time to understand and it gives you so many different results, uh, each one of them uniquely. The, I mean, right now I have been really into relief printing, so I've been doing a lot of wood cuts and linoleum cuts, but I do enjoy still screening and I really, I'm really into lithography too, but I haven't done it that much. Um, that's why I'm looking to do the workshop with uh, Kevin Haas. He's going to be doing as part of the Spokane Print Fest uh, next Saturday. And I'm going to be seeing like the process actually in the t on the 27th. Um, another process that I would love to do is um, mesotene, which is in the intaglio processes too, mm -hmm. with metal. Um, and that's something that I hope to, to get to learn from Mary Farrell, you know, like our amazing printmaker professor from Gonzaga uh, at Gonzaga. So yeah, so I mean, so far I have been, my favorite is relief so far, but I, I just see so many possibilities into the other processes that I need to really engage to really get to understand. So um, let's just say you've got another show coming up and you're gonna do some more relief uh, prints. Mm -hmm. So just kind of walk us through one uh, particular relief print that you would do. What, I mean, do you already envision what you're gonna do? Do you kind of just start, do you put put the picture that you want and draw it on the, the wood or mm -hmm. the linoleum to kind of walk us through what that would be like. Yeah, so the process basically, I mean, it it's a stimuli, right? Like, I mean, I perceive a stimuli um, from a conversation, a song, or somehow a reaction to something that happens. Um, then I translate that stimuli into a drawing. So that's the first transformation, you know? You try to draw it into a piece of paper and sketch and sketch it just to get an idea for the composition. Then I draw that on the block freely, you know? Uh, I don't do any transfer, I just draw on it with using charcoals and inks, and then I stain the block and then start carving. So there is enough that, I mean, so much that I can plan because then that is the 
second transformation where you allow the carving tool or the gouge to provide their mark making in order to transform the image. And then after I carve all that, I'm looking at this image like in a certain orientation. Once I print it, it's the opposite. It's a mirror image. So the, the, the idea that from the beginning, that, that is the third transformation process. So it becomes something reverse and it just like mess with your head. And, <laughs> it's so, and it's so rewarding because you have been so like invested into this image and then you see it totally opposite uh, 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 at the end and it just makes you wanna do more. It's kind of like an addictive process. So the image transformed three times um, and you just allowed your, I just allow the process to, to guide my idea, you know, and trust it. Um, and it changed a lot and usually surprised me. So that's why it makes it even more engaging and rewarding, so yeah. But how long would it take you to, to finish uh, mm -hmm. from beginning to end, uh, a, you know, a good size uh, wood print? Yeah, well, I mean, I will tell you this. So I have done uh, wood blocks that have taken me as long as three months. Has I had done ones that I did in just 10 days. It just depends, I mean, I have been getting faster. It depends on the idea. Like sometimes the idea clicks and then you just go for it. And sometimes like the idea just needs to mature. Like it just needs to left to the side and somehow grow. And maybe I'm not ready to make it yet. Mm -hmm. So I just mm -hmm. allow them to breathe a little bit on the side. And then when I come back and I just get it and it just feels right and it just happens. But I will say between from drawing to carving, I mean, between two, two weeks or three weeks and then like the printing is like maybe like six to eight hours. I mean, it's another process, yeah. So when they had the last um, uh, steamroller print thing in Coeur d'Alene. Yeah, the ink rally. They, yeah. yeah, the ink rally. Mm -hmm. Then they all the, all the artists met in that fall or September or something like that. So it was interesting to talk to some of the ones that haven't done a lot about of that kind of uh, process mm -hmm. and talk about how much work it was. You know, I mean, yeah. their, their hands are a little like, <laughs> yeah. they were going, man, I really worked hard <laughs> to come up with that. But, and yeah. they, they all talked about how much it stretched them mm -hmm. in, their, in their just art thinking, the creative process. Oh, they definitely. really talked about how... That how it stretched them. Yeah, no, and I feel that printmaking has a process of uh, empowering people. You know, um, it challenges you to draw in a larger scale. If you want to go, for example, in the Ink Rally mm -hmm. example, um, it pushes you to go big. It pushes you also to um, to carve. You know, and, and do all this hard work in order mm -hmm. to craft your matrix. Mm -hmm. And then when you're inking the blocks, it requires a lot of people. So. It first empowers you because it pushes you to go beyond, you know, what you usually do, like, I mean, in the scale. But at the same time, it pushes you to collaborate with others. So you need to trust others in order to get your work done. So, I mean, it's just, that's another thing, another layer of the process that goes with community and education. It's just like put people in these situations where they need to go out of their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And then after they really, they finish the process, they are different. They're in a way that they feel more confidence about their skills, mm -hmm. they feel that they can relate to others, and they feel that they can ask for questions and ask for help. And it just enforces the sense of community around the people that is uh, uh, there. And it just it just makes them more, uh, they just unify them and, and, and a little bit. So I did this project in Eastern Washington where we um, I wanted to bring different students from different mayors that were not necessarily uh, our students to bring them together to do 
eight pieces of eight by four feet MDF. And we draw all of them by hand. We carve them and I guide them through the process. They haven't carved or draw that big before. But then after they carve it and they print it, we, we paste them in the form of murals in three different schools, Eastern Washington oh. University, Washington State University, and U of I. And it was great to see the same people that at the beginning were so hesitant to make a drawing mark in the block, how they were so empowered. Um, they were talking to the, because we presented in a regional conference, printmaking conference, and they were talking to these experts. And they were experts too. They were talking to them like, yeah, this is the relief process and we use this paper and we use this ink. And it was <laughs> just transformative, transformative to them. And it was just amazing. It just allowed me to see how like just teaching arts can really make an impact on people. And later on, they can apply the same process into any other processes that they want to do in their life and their careers and just strengthen the community, you know, towards the goals that they want to achieve. So... Print Fest that you just had recently mm -hmm. uh, at the Terrain Building. Yeah. Um, so you talk about community, and community um, seems to be a very important part of your mission with your art. Oh, that's building a community. Yeah. So talk a little bit about Print Fest and how that uh, brainchild came up, and then where is that going to go in the future? Yeah, well, so the Spokane Print Fest, yeah, we just celebrated last Friday. Um, that was like the starting point of a month long celebration. So the first Friday, we have the Tangible Gestures uh, Jury Pre-Making Show from where we were using, uh, showing the work from 35 different artists uh, from all over the United States you, uh, doing contemporary pre-making. But at the same time, on the side, we had the festival where brought together uh, five different schools, like U of I, Washington State University, Gonzaga, uh, Eastern Washington, and the Falls, and also Emerge Gallery from Coeur d'Alene. So you can see like all these different processes from printmaking uh, being demos demonstrated mm -hmm. during the night from professional educators, I mean, printmakers and educators, and also students that are starting. So you see the process um, has the audience. You see the process from stamping all the way to messetins and relief printing. But then you move into the gallery and see professional work being done. So it was more like an educational process to get people uh, immersed and understand what printmaking is. And at the same time, later on, after you see all these different processes and see what you, you can do, you have the opportunity to take a workshop, sign up for a workshop uh, in each one of the Saturdays that we have and for different processes. Um, study the process a little bit more because what happens with printmaking is like it's very i mean it requires a lot of different materials and equipment um it's it's kind of hard to get access to it so they have been limited to the universities and colleges so students have the access while they're enrolling the classes but once they graduate mm -hmm. they don't have a space to do that anymore and it's, uh, it's the same thing with the the regular uh, the general public or local artists who want to do just prints, but they need to enroll into classes in order to do it. So that opens up another thing. Like So it, Spokane Print Fest was more to educate and create a networking. And we introduced what is going to be the Spokane Print and Publishing Center that I'm going to be inviting everybody today to go uh, April 20th, um, the 1925 North uh, Ash. And you can come to the open house where we're going to be um, releasing or opening to the public the first like Spokane uh, print facility that's going to be open for general public and local artists. Too. So tell us all what's all going to go into that facility and who's 
what organizations are going to be part of that and what's going to be the long-term mission of that? Yeah, so, I mean, so my fur, uh, I, I developed this uh, print shop for Relief and Integrity called RGC Prints uh, last year, and I was uh, awarded a SAGA grant for that. So, I mean, the idea was to offer that print shop for the public. However, um, the space was too small. I was lucky enough to also meet the fellows from uh, Millwood Printworks that has a similar um, a goal, which is, you know, educate people about um, printmaking. But they specialize in letterpress, um, also um, uh, silk screening or screen printing. So we found our, they were looking for space. I was looking for space. So we came together. And also we have Derek Freeland uh, from uh, Buttercrow uh, Publications. Um, also Dorian and his last name is really long. So yeah, but Dorian, <laughs> sorry, but I, I mean, I think it's still about you. So we're putting all, all these efforts, all these different organizations together in order to provide a space where people can do all things related to printmaking from relief, intaglio, um, leather presence, screen printing to book binding, mm. um, paper making, and then also digital printing, illustration and character design. So it's going to be like an alternative for education, you know, and fine arts. Um, it's a place where you can come and do workshops. You can do um, also uh, bring your own events there because we have a space for that. Um, we're just hoping to to make a space where a community can come and grow um, um, and produce their work, create stories and um, network and also make an impact on that community right there. You know, like, I mean, just bring people together in order to make art oh, wow. and bring That's them together. Yeah. Yeah, so like schools uh, can maybe bring classes of kids down there, you know, and for some kind of fee or whatever. But that, yeah. the, the thing, the, the challenge is, unless you are in a university now, you don't have access to all the different kind of tools. Exactly. Right? You don't need to pay tuition and like, yeah. you know, in order yeah. to go to, which is pretty expensive nowadays, right? Like to, to go to that. So you can just pay for the day or you can just pay for a workshop. And there the prices are way more accessible, you know. Mm -hmm. So, and you can specialize in certain things that are curious about. You can do, oh, I want to do a magazine or I want to illustrate my, my graphic novel that I have been working so hard, but I don't know where to publish. You come here, you talk to Derek, he help you out. You can set up the whole thing, you can print it, and then you can maybe print the covers by hand or using leather press. Or you can do posters for that event to uh, install screen in that event, in that work, uh, shop. Or you can maybe combine like your lino cuts that you're learning there and carving there. You can combine it with leather press and later on make books. So uh, the, diff the possibilities are, uh, are really open. Um, so we're just putting it out there and we, now we need people to come and start bringing their ideas mm -hmm. and producing their projects and allow the whole thing to grow. Wow. Yeah, we're really excited about it. That sounds really exciting. Yeah, no, we're 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 having a blast. <laughs> like, yeah, we're we kind of wait for April twenty. Okay, so it sounds like you're all in on uh, on printing. Yeah. Uh, is there is there is and you've done sculpture. You said you've done drawing. You've mm -hmm. done illustration. All that. Is there uh, another medium that you haven't tackled yet that you think will be in your future? Something that maybe you say, "Ooh, this is something that maybe I want to try someday." That you haven't really done yet yeah that's true uh, i'm i'm always fascinated about film mm. you know like mm. film uh, i mean because it's storytelling i feel mm -hmm. that film is so powerful because it combines so many things it combines the story combine reinforce the music you know the facial expression camera angles and all these different things and it's also a community i mean you need a lot of different people in order to make these things happen so is this is there is something that i would love to explore in the future will be film yeah so 
that's something that I need to, <laughs> I mean, dig in and study the same way. But but I feel that somehow I can find those links between what I do uh, in printmaking and also move it into other medias like film or, or you know, writing. Mm-hmm. But but I mean, I don't know if I might do that by myself. I think that I'm gonna still uh, collaborate with others. I just find that fascinating with two minds or more come together and they p- all pitch in and then something else happened. But but yeah. I'll say film definitely. Right on. Well, yeah. And speaking of collaborating, you're you're a teacher, you're an educator. Mm-hmm. We're both mm-hmm. educators. Nice. Uh, did you plan to teach, or was that something that you kind of stumbled into? Yeah, that's funny. Well, my parents are teachers; they're okay. uh, high school teachers. So I grew up in a family of teachers. Um, I don't know; it, it came out natural to me, and I love uh, sharing what I know uh, to others. I love then go through the process, people going through the mm-hmm. process, and finding within themselves that they can do bigger things. I find that fascinating. And at the same time, I learn so much from them because every time that you need to explain something to someone else, you need to see in so many different ways and it just allows you to learn more. Um, so yeah, like I didn't plan, it just happened naturally um, and I really love it. I mean, some days maybe it's very challenging, but at the same time, it's always rewarding, like printmaking. I, many times I have been carving a block, and I'm kind of like, what am I doing this? <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> but... We've never said that, have we, Eric? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> but then at the end, it's all worth it, right? And once you're done, you're like, oh, I cannot wait to do it again. And then you're in the middle again, you're like, why am I doing this again? So it's kind of like this constant battle, but, but it's great. I mean, I don't... I don't complain. It's been great being teaching teaching in Eastern, and I taught a little bit in Gonzaga too. So, yeah. do you have many uh, art majors at Eastern now? Um, yeah, we have we have a a, a good a consider I mean a considerable amount. Yeah, no, I feel that that's uh, that's pretty good. The classes are good there. Like, I mean, more people are going more into graphic design, mm-hmm. but I mean because they think like I mean that's where they're going to be finding a job. However, I don't know. Yeah, no, we still get. Um, uh, fine art students um and yeah no i'm very excited to see the work that they have been doing so far and how long have you been at eastern uh this is my second year okay so you don't you don't yet have those students out in the community kind of seeing what they're doing yet they're still there exactly but but i mean there is like this little group that i have been following up there are like five of them that we did the mural project together Mm -hmm. and i had seen them like in the spokane print fest and i had seen them organizing little things around so i can see the the the, the is growing you know there is a desire they they feel that they're cap uh, they they want to be part of the current um art movement that is happening in spokane so i can feel that they are like confident they they can be part and they can contribute to it and that's exciting of course you know i'm really looking forward for the future to see where those ideas goes go but on the meantime, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to open more opportunities for students, um, you know, professionals to share and just nurture the passion of making. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the most uh, important thing that you would want to instill in students, art students? You know, I'm thinking of the conversation I uh, had with Carl Richardson at Spokane Falls, yeah. and we had one of his students as a guest here on, on the Art Hour and um, I think the student, when from his point of view, was being, being exposed to a lot of different mm-hmm. techniques and different media mediums of which to express themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also talked a lot about, you know, just the work ethic of doing art. Art's yeah. not just, you know, 
this glamour thing, you know, where you just go in and create stuff, and there's, there's a lot of work involved. But as a teacher now, or as a young teacher mm -hmm. starting out, what what is it you feel is the most important thing to instill in a student so that when they leave your class or your program, mm -hmm. what do you want them to walk away with? Wow, I would love for them to consider a couple things. First of all, that everybody's process is different and they need to go into that retrospective, retrospective process to get to know themselves and experiment with different medias in order to find their visual language. Like, I mean, it's good to have heroes. It's good to follow up what other people do because I do it too, you get inspired. But at the same time, you're gonna be producing the own work that you do. And you need to like take care of that, you know, like and really reinforce that. I will say that, and second of all, that the process takes time. It's like, I, I usually compare like art making with bodybuilding, and I bet that Carl maybe can make a <laughs> relationship there. Uh, but, but it's just that, you know, like it takes practice, it takes a constant doing in order to develop those abilities. The main dif di uh, re uh, difference between me as instructor and then that I can draw something quickly and make it look good, is because I have been, having it, uh, have been doing it for longer. So I feel that nowadays, like there is, uh, and I, that's something that I, f I found a lot in my students, is like, is the instant gratification. Yeah. They just want everything just to, the first time that they <laughs> grab a pen, they just want to get this beautiful drawing. And it's kind of like, it's okay. Like you need to do it 3000 times. You need to keep doing it. So they get really frustrated and they just want to like give up. And it's kind of like, it takes time. So I always found, and I feel that that's the main problem with social media, you know? We see in Instagram, and you see all this amazing artwork that these people is doing, and, but you don't see the process, you just see the glamour. Yes. So, so I try always to find these videos and things where like the, the heroes that I have, they struggle. You know, mm -hmm. they, see, they show their studios full of package of drawings that are all garbage, you know? But finally they found the one that is the one that we all praise, you know? Yeah. yeah, so I would love them to realize that. Well, mm -hmm. and I find with that, too, With I taught writing for a long time. And you have to say you have to like the process. If mm -hmm. all you're concerned with is the product, uh, then you're kind of skipping steps to get there. And if you really, really enjoy the process, mm -hmm. then uh, you're not so worried about that when the outcome isn't quite what you liked. Exactly. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Yeah, and, and to understand the ideas evolve. You know, like ideas needs to grow. Like, you know, like some things might take two years. I mean, I have a block that I recently carved, actually draw. Um, and that's something that have been staying in my studio for so long that I wasn't ready to, to approach. And then I came back and I saw it. And for that day, for that idea, I was finally like ready for it. And it happens. I mean, it's, it's a thing. It takes time. Um, and it's frustrating, but at the same time, it's so rewarding, you know. So, but yes, you need to trust the process, definitely. Right. Well, you said you've been working on something for two years. What What are you working on now? What is what? I mean, I know obviously you're getting the print work stuff going on, but but uh, what is what is your what is your main work doing right now? Man, you know that's that's so funny because I I might need to talk to you in a couple months <laughs> and then finally you know say because right now I'm kind of like in this limbo that I have been doing so many like community events mm -hmm. like this, which is great. But at the same time, like I have some of these ideas that are in a sketch that I haven't fully developed. So I'm getting together. Uh, I'm gonna be having a solo show in North Idaho College in uh, in September, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm trying to gather all these different ideas together to make a show there. I have an idea in my head that I haven't 
produce it uh, fully. And I seen that something, it's a series that I started for a little bit, uh, for like a, almost a year ago of these inner portraits using the face as a mask and somehow the face is another inner world that we show. Um, and yeah, I just feel that once I finish all the series of blocks, I might have something solid that consolidates the last two or three years. Do but you, it's still in the process, yeah. Yeah. Do you need a deadline to help you through that? I mean, you talk about a show coming up in September. Yeah. We've talked to some people that actually do better with the deadline, mm -hmm. gets, gets them going. Yeah. Or are you one that needs to let these ideas just kind of, you know, ferment and like seeds and they just start growing? in some sort of silence uh, in an environment with no distractions. Yeah, no, I think that it depends. It depends on the idea. Sometimes like I get an, a deadline and I can work something like what we did with Luke. Mm -hmm. I needed a deadline and that helped me out to carve and do the projects and, and do a response to his work. But at the same time, I do some personal work on the side that I just need that to ferment. So every time that I'm doing something uh, against a deadline, um, I can do that uh, with the pressure of time. However, I need to always go back to something that goes a little bit slower. So I have those two things happening constantly so I don't get burned out, you know? Uh, I mean, mm -hmm. and that's something that I didn't plan. It just happens. Like, I mean, I'm carving on something and get kind of bored and I go back to the other idea that I can just take my time drawing and develop, you know? So, so I would say that the, those two things are constantly happening. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite artist or so a, many. Uh, a person that you know or persons um, present or past that inspire you or that you look up to or you've um, uh, adopted some of their ideas in your work yeah I, I follow I get inspiration for so many different artists and, and people makers you know like Rosana Farias illustrator from Venezuela was my main hero then I have the opportunity to work with Tom Hogg, for example, American printmaker. Um, I learned so much from him. Goran Fasil, uh, Garth Klassen from South Africa. Um, also, I have been inspired by a lot of um, freestyle rappers lately, just mm. through the, how they go through so much struggle in order to develop their skills and their craft in order to just tell stories and improvise. And I found that fascinating. Um, also writers, you know, like Charma Shields, Luke. Mm. Um, and also like makers, uh, I mean, or people that, that does uh, things in the community, like, you know, like Ginger, and I get inspired by Jackie Caro. I just get inspired by Kate O'Rourke. Uh, by my friend Fidel, you know, the way that he works wood, uh, by my wife, you know, uh, my parents. It's just uh, it's so many different things that happen around that I just take these common grounds. It doesn't matter the media or the craft that they create or they develop. It's just there is always this remnants or, or, of passion and time that they are willing to put into develop these things that I just find so inspiring and invigorating. So I don't have just one name. <laughs> yeah, so no, many. that's, yeah. 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 Very good. Yeah. Um, so down the road, you know, um, I chatted a little bit about this, but are you looking at the Spokane area to be a, a place where you're going to stay for a while? Yeah. I mean, it seems uh, right now uh, th is the time, you know, we're here. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife is going to graduate and move here uh, in May. Um, I just find so many opportunities here. Uh, right now, Spokane has this energy, you know, that's it's just growing in the arts and people's excited and they're, it feels that it's the right time to make more things available because people just 
eager to to do stuff so if we can create those platforms for people to keep developing their 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 work i think that the our community here is going to grow and the identity the our identity in spokane is going to also grow and then and i i'm i'm happy to be part of that so yeah we see each, uh, ourselves like staying and sticking around for a while i mean we don't have any plans to move anywhere else for the moment but but i mean right now we're focused here and we love what is happening and i feel that it's creating some momentum um yeah um, and it's uh, it's a beautiful community that that is so welcoming and, and we want to continue here definitely yeah yeah where do you what do you think is um if you could uh, have a wish or two of what would be a catalyst to even mm -hmm. make the um the spokane art community and art scene you know take another leap up mm -hmm. I, you know like you said i think it's um in a very exciting stage but yeah. Uh, maybe like compared to a, a Santa Fe or some of these other cities where they have, you know, multiple galleries or maybe, uh, you know, a, an actual art institute. I'm not sure. But what what do you think Spokane could use in the next five years to jumpstart, uh, to take it to another level? Yeah. Well, I mean, this is uh, my opinion. I mean, I just mm -hmm. moved here recently. I think that we have the schools, you know, we have four or five different universities around here and colleges. I feel that that is important. Like we are giving or creating or developing so many different art students. We just need platforms for them to stay. I think that Terrain is doing a great thing. Um, I mean, so far for the last 10 years to give, uh, I mean, that platform for people, uh, emerging artists to, to share their work and also with Bazaar, you know, to mm -hmm. sell it so they can stay here. They don't need to move somewhere else. At the same time, I feel that, you know, like maybe the, uh, the art museum is starting to bring more uh, renowned artists. So we have the opportunity to be exposed to that. I feel also, I mean, with the Spokane uh, Print and Publishing Center, that would be another alternative or another uh, place for people to nurture their practice. I feel that what happens in Spokane is like, I, um, there is a lack of like, I, I hear a lot of people saying like they would love to have these things, but they don't do it. <laughs> so I, I feel that more a little bit more commitment to develop them. You mm -hmm. know, if you feel that there is a lack of a gallery, go and do it. Like develop that space for others. Mm -hmm. Like um, if you feel that I mean we're lacking maybe a, another museum or maybe another event that, because uh, terrain is mostly for emerging artists. Maybe we need the second step, right? Like something a little bit more uh, for professional artists. Let's do that, you know, uh, and I feel that there's a lot of people here that can do that, but I just feel that they get too caught out into, oh, someone else will do it or someone else will do that. And it's kind of like, OK, no, we need to. Uh, this is a town that it just in the moment that uh, we need to build things for us, for the future. Um, and yeah, I will just say that we just need more people committed to do things for others. I mean, and get together. I will say that I I feel that if we start doing that right now, like in five years, I think um, we are not gonna have. Um, I mean, we can compete, you know, with other. Of course, like the population here is pretty uh, small in comparison to mm -hmm. Seattle, but I don't know. Maybe we're gonna have more people looking to come here and show work here because they see that the the um, the support to the arts is is growing and it's important. So. Well, the analogy I think I see is what um, the Ingersolls have done with the Bartlett. They there open you the go. Bartlett, mm -hmm. then they open the Lucky You Lounge. Exactly. Instead of saying, why don't we get these kinds of bands into town, they say, let's just build it, and they'll come. Exactly. Yeah, you create the space, and people come. And that's what I'm so excited about the publishing center that we're going to have. You know, like We're going to set up the materials there, and let's see who comes. 
And of course, like, I mean, the more the, the people start going to those venues and the more that they start to follow, because I feel that the support here for the arts is, is amazing. First Fridays now is like, you cannot really walk around and see all the shows because it's mm -hmm. so much stuff going on, which is amazing, you know? So yeah, what else can we develop? We have the spaces for music. We had the spaces for printing. We had the spaces for uh, for emerging arts. We had the Saturn Act, you know, for do more uh, conceptual and contemporary work that is experimental. What else can we do, you know? But I feel that yeah, we tend to we have a tendency to whoever is doing it already, we cannot do an alternative, which is kind of like okay, they're doing their thing, you know. But we need to create even more opportunities. Yeah, definitely, I do agree with you, Eric. Do you guys collaborate um, um, the universities, you know, like Whitworth, Eastern, Gonzaga, mm -hmm. Spokane Falls? Do you guys get together as educators and, and plan things out, or is it a little more territorial and everybody mm -hmm. just, you know, has their, their kind of thing that they do? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty new in the system, yeah. and I'm an adjunct. So, I mean, um, I go and work, and I try to make uh, connections with the people that I work there. Uh, I find it very supportive. I mean... I, I mean, we don't get together as educators to plan things, but every time I, I think individually has makers, they are also excited. So I feel that bringing the energy and the ideas, you know, I have found so much support. Like I, I came to Ginger and say, hey, like, let's, what, what about like a Spokane Print Fest? And they were like, yeah, let's do it. And then I talked to Mary and I talked to Kevin Haas, uh, Margot and, they, and Mike Sonic, and they were so excited, like, yeah, let's do it. And they rallied the troops, you know? So I feel that just, uh, I mean, people is ready for it. It's just a matter of like putting the energy and trying to throw that idea there and people will just come. So yeah, I would say that that's something that is happening. I mm -hmm. have been able to collaborate with educators and also, you know, uh, art organizers and, and different organizations. Um, all of them are so willing to help, you know? So, so I guess that's something that, that we have as a community. Like every time that there is a, an idea happening, like I feel that people want to support that and little by little it's gonna grow. So yeah, I have a lot of faith in that. I took a look at your website and oh, uh, I mean, it's a beautiful website by the way. Thank you. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff on there. But I, I mean, I just poked around a little bit and I was trying to figure out, I mean, I wonder if you uh, maybe could articulate, is there some sort of theme or idea or themes or ideas that you find that always seem to come out mm in your art no matter what the medium is is there something you're trying to do or something that just kind of accidentally pops out and you say oh this is this is one of the things that i do well definitely the idea of home what exactly is a home i have been moving so much around uh, um, i have been definitely trying to understand that there is an external home you know the community that is around you um, and the different locations and the food and the culture happening but also there is the inner home like the person that you uh, your personality changed depending on the community that you're getting immersed on so that is a constant grow there that i'm still trying to understand and every time that i'm doing an illustration somehow you can see that there um you can see the idea of trying to understand home and also the idea of trying to understand identity and mm -hmm. how the home influenced the individual's identity um, for more that I try to go into different directions, that is a topic that comes back constantly. And I think it's just because it's part of my my personal experience and my journey, definitely. Yeah. And it's great to every time that I do a piece about that, how that also have a, a, an effect on other people. Even when they don't come from Latin America, they can see resemblance in the iconography that I use. 
mm-hmm. and it just reinforced that idea that we are so connected you know we have this common consciousness that that we share but but yeah i mean home and identity so speaking of home yeah. um when you get the chance to see your parents um are they still in venezuela or are they um, no yeah my my whole family there uh, is, is still in venezuela my parents my my brother my cousins everybody there um I'm going to be going in June to, to Venezuela, so I'm going to be able to see them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just distance, you know, definitely. Have they been up, up north? Yes, they came last year during June. They stayed for a month. Oh. Um, yeah, no, it was great. Yeah, they're geologists and teachers. Um, and we took them to, uh, to Montana to Glacier. Oh, and yeah. They were so fascinated. I mean, mm-hmm. they just love to look into rock formations and yeah. eating good food. So it was, it was great. Speaking Definitely. of family, you mentioned earlier that you're married, right? Yes. Is your wife an artist? Yes, she is. She is. Yeah. Um, she yeah, works. We have uh, one of her pieces, I believe. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 No, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Mike yeah. Mike and his wife. Yeah. You guys uh, got one of the uh, big in rally prints that she did for for the, yeah, the in rally in yeah. March. That was such a beautiful uh, process. Um, yes. Um, she uh, it's, it's interesting because Ashley is... Uh, I, I believe that, I mean, I tell her this a lot, it's like, she's an artist that she doesn't uh, compromise the idea for the media. She's going to get an idea and she's going to adapt or find the best media to somehow create that idea or to, to bring that idea mm-hmm. to, to reality. In my case, I tend to take the idea to my comfort zone of the drawing and the carving and the printmaking. But that's what I found like fascinating about her work. Like she can do video installation, she can do sculpture, she can do performance, she can do drawing, painting, and it's all having the same essence. But I mean, it's just so exploratory that I admire so much because I mean, I cannot, I, I'm so uptight many times for my process. So it's great to to have that uh, that other person that is understand that process you know and is willing to go into that journey Mm. so i feel that of course like i mean we talk uh, about our process and we give feedback to each other and she's a huge support i mean a a great support to to my work and i I try to support her doing her in her endeavors but but yeah it's just great to see how honest she is when she talks about my work and that's great because you mm-hmm. know sometimes like I mean I I might think that I'm doing something amazing but then she's gonna be like huh you know <laughs> <laughs> and it's great because it makes you like get things yeah. in perspective yeah. um, and and I feel that mm-hmm. she she believes in what I'm capable of, of doing um, and that's great you know because sometimes when you feel down you have that person there that tells you like you know we can do this um, and uh, and that's great and I feel so fortunate about so yeah well if she's listening to this I mean, uh, yeah you know <laughs> and she's going to graduate with a what was a master's MFA yeah. yeah so she's doing awesome. her MFA from U of I and she's going to be done in May she just did uh, her opening at the Preacher Gallery uh, that's going to be open for the whole month so if you want to make the trip to the Preacher Gallery it's a pretty nice show check it out and then she's yeah she's going to graduate in May and yeah we'll see her doing more work around here well, I don't want to embarrass you too much, but uh, <laughs> this is the radio, and your face really transformed when you started talking about your wife. <laughs> uh, I'm telling you, you oh, got this really? look in your yeah. eye like, man, I sure like her. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, morning, this morning, I wake up, and I was just looking at her, and I was like, damn, she's so cute. Like, She's awesome. I mean, that, that's the thing. Like, I mean, it's just, it's just great. Like, I mean, I mean, she's a great friend, but it's just, I mean, it goes beyond that. And, 
and it's great and i just feel so lucky i mean it just feels so lucky to to have someone like her in my life you know the understand the processes and is there you know and it's always like when i'm kind of like freaking out about something like she's <laughs> always like the one that makes everything pause you know like okay so let's take a breathing here and we can do that so that's awesome. awesome no thank you yeah we have a few more minutes yeah. left oh, and, sure. and you've got just a whole bunch of stuff going on you've got websites social media you've got the print shop so if you could just take a couple minutes and just tell us about all the stuff where we can find you mm-hmm. uh things that are coming up things that we can be involved in all that stuff yeah, sure. So, well, my website, you can check it out, www.reynaldogilsambrano.com, and you can see uh, pretty much the, the gallery, the work, and some of the community uh, public pieces I had done, and also a little blog that I start, uh, started recently. Um, also, you can go into Instagram, uh, RGC Prints. You can find most of the current work that's happening there and news. Uh, once again, the open house for the SPPC or Spokane Print and Publishing Center is going to happen on April 20th from 3 to 6. And that same day, because it's the same building, you can go and celebrate Art Salvage first anniversary. So you can go there and chill with them and then come next door to the print show, uh, the print shop and, and, and see what we're doing there. That's really exciting. Uh, we are also releasing the invitation for the in rally. Oh. It's the third year that this is happening, and it's an event that's growing so much in Coeur d'Alene. So we're going to be in the merch gallery in September. But if you go into the website, we are... Um, the open call for artists is happening right now the way to July. So please send us some of your proposals because we would love to have you there. It doesn't matter if you haven't done the process before. We can guide you through the process and uh, it's going to be great. Um, besides that, I'm going to be having a solo show in North Idaho College in September. And then in November, I will have a show with Mary Farrell, in, which is such an honor. I'm so excited about this in the Saranac Art Projects. Because I mean, like working under, uh, I mean, working next or exhibiting next to someone that I admire so much. I, it was funny, like when I met her in person, she came to my studio. Um, I, w- I read about her in the in the Printmaking Bible, which is a book that my friend, my good friend David Jensen Jr. Uh, gave me as a present for graduation. And I saw her work and I aware of her. And I also was introduced to her uh, through the art spirit when I was showing there. And it was great to just get to meet her. And now I'm going to be having the opportunity to show next to her. So wow. I can't cool. wait for that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty much a summary. Yeah. Oh, is that all? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, we have some other stuff going on. But, I mean, we, we are releasing little by little. There is a lot of things, exciting things happening in the Spokane. And not only in pre-making world, but also, you know, Derek Freeland just released a quick starter. Where, I mean, RGC Prince is also doing a crowdfunding to bring even more equipment to to the SPPC and just like all the engagement through the Spokane Print Center uh, sorry the Spokane Print Fest we're thinking already about next year we got uh, on Friday people uh, professors from Montana coming over all the way from there and saying hey we're gonna be here next year you know and that's exciting because it's just more people is gonna mm-hmm. be involved and it feels that that event is gonna be growing so yeah so we're just wrapping up the last of the two workshops that we're we're doing uh with kevin has on the 27th uh, mary farrell on the 20th i think both workshops are already sold out but yeah okay. that's something else that i would love to keep exploring with the spring fest workshops demonstration lectures 
and bring even more people, um, you know, education and um, to fall in love with the process of printing, basically. Right on. Well, thank you so much for coming in. This was an inspiring yeah, conversation. Ronaldo, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, of yeah, course. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry that, you know, I'm still improving my English, but that, no, was, great. that was great. But thank you so awesome. much for the opportunity. It's been great. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever we can help, you know, to help you guys out, you yeah, know, please let us know. Thank you All so right. much. All right, Appreciate good luck it. to you.